Hello dear ones, this is Jeff here. I'd like to talk to you about the quality of mercy. It seems to me that forgiveness is not very popular, even among mature Christians. It's very important for all of us that we learn how to forgive. For forgiveness is a very much a part of the nature of God. I'd like to begin by reading a bit of Shakespeare. This is a passage from The Merchant of Venice, and it's Portia, the uh, advocate's speech at a trial of a young man who's about to lose a pound of flesh. This is what Portia says. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty, wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above this sceptered sway. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute to God himself. And earthly power doth then show likest gods when mercy seasons justice. That was Shakespeare writing about mercy. Today's message is about Joseph and his brothers. And the text is from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. Here's the reading. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and spoke kindly to them. May God bless the reading of his word. I've called this message, The Quality of Mercy, after Shakespeare's poem. But it's about Joseph. Joseph was brother number 10. He had a younger brother named Benjamin, but the, the, uh, the first 10 brothers were a bit older than him. They all came quickly, but... Uh, Joseph's mother, Rachel, was slow in giving birth, and so he came a bit later. He was a, he was a young boy, and they were grown men. And he was hated by his brothers. They detested him. They couldn't even speak to him. For a number of things had happened to cause him to think that way. And we read about that in Genesis chapter 37. The first thing that happened was Joseph, when he was 17, was out tending the flocks uh, with some of his brothers, 
And he brought, it says the Bible, a, a bad report about them to his father. So he told on his brothers for not doing the right thing. Maybe they were being a bit slack or they weren't doing the right thing. Whatever it was, they were in the wrong. Joseph knew it and he told dad about them. The brothers hated him. The second thing was that their father Israel loved Joseph more than all the other sons. And the Bible says he made an ornate robe for him, you know, the famous coat of many colours. And this, this typified the father's love for this number 11 son. And when the brothers saw that basically dad loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated him. And here it says they couldn't speak a kind word to him. Any kind of a word for that matter. And then more things took place that made their feelings towards Joseph even worse. He had a dream, uh, which was lovely, but then he told them about it. And in the dream he said, listen, in the dream we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright and your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And the brothers could see that Joseph was saying, basically, I'm going to be really somebody important one day and you're all going to bow down and pay homage to me. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers that one too. And his parents, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars, they were all bowing down to me. Well, the brothers thought, what more can you ask? Mum and dad and all of us are all going to bow to you. Uh, they were jealous of him. So the time came when the brothers had an opportunity later in this chapter 37 of Genesis that they sold him into a life of slavery. Even though he cried and begged them, they were callous, they were horrible. And then as Joseph was taken away by these traders down to a life of misery and slavery in Egypt, the brothers took that beautiful coat that his father had made for him, dipped it in the blood of an animal, and when they went back to dad, they said, look, it's obviously something terrible has happened to the son of yours. And these callous men allowed their father to think all those years that his favorite son had been killed by a wild animal. But now, when they came down to Egypt to buy food because of the terrible famine that was there, they were confronted by this man who put them through all kinds of strange uh, testings uh, until finally... He revealed himself to them as their long-lost brother, Joseph. This is 15-plus years later. And Joseph's now the, basically the ruler, the second only to Pharaoh of Egypt. And they've gone to buy grain off him. And he reveals himself to them. This happens in chapter 45 of Genesis. And when it happened, he said to them, I am Joseph. <laughs> but his brothers were not able to answer him. They were terrified. And then he said to them, come close to me. He said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He'd made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. When Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, the quality of mercy was strong in Joseph's heart. 
And first of all, I'd like to show you what Joseph did not do to them. He didn't tell anyone that his brothers had sold him. He didn't tell the captive, uh, he was, when he was captive to Potiphar, uh, Pharaoh's jail, he didn't tell Potiphar. He didn't tell Pharaoh. He didn't tell people he met along the way. He never told anyone. In fact, he only mentioned it to his brothers here in chapter 45 of Genesis in order to point out that it was God's plan all along. And God had sovereign control over even the the wrong thing they did. He never told their father. In fact, he told them what to say to their father. In verse 9, it says, Now hurry hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, all you have. I'll provide for you there because there's five more years of famine. Otherwise, you and your household will be destitute. And so he never told his father. In fact, his father, Israel, went to his grave never knowing that the brothers had sold Joseph as a slave. He never told the Egypts. He never told the father. He never accused them or blamed them. And he he didn't even make them and let them feel guilty about their deed. I mean, they must have horrified when they realised this powerful man who was in charge of all the grain was their long-lost brother. He didn't let them feel bad about themselves, and he never brought up the matter again, ever, with anyone. Beloved, many people today cannot comprehend a merciful God, a God who forgives, a God who wipes the slate clean, a God who wants us to be just like him. And we forget that God wants us to be merciful as well. Now, we remember many times how God has been merciful. In in the Old Testament, the story of David, which we've read many times and heard about, David was a, a great man. He was a man after God's own heart. Yet, he committed the twin sins of adultery and then murder. He had the, the woman's husband murdered, to get him out of the way so we could have her. God forgave him, restored him to his kingdom. In the New Testament, Saul of Tarsus was a young man who, first of all, consented. We read about him at the end of chapter 8, the beginning of chapter 9 of Acts. He consented to the death of Stephen. Then he went around persecuting the early Christians, putting it in jail, leading some to their deaths. And yet Paul could write years later that God chose him before the foundation of the world to be his servant, to be his, the preacher of his gospel. And he often said things like, I'm the least of the apostles, I'm the least of the brethren. In fact, I'm the chief of sinners. Paul understood that God had forgiven him and wiped the slate clean. And dear ones, God wants you and I to wipe the slate clean as well toward anyone who's ever done anything bad towards us. Anyone who's made us feel bad uh, from something trivial to something uh, really wicked and evil, God wants us to show mercy to this person. Well, we've just looked at what Joseph did not do to them. Now let's consider what Joseph did for them. Well, he forgave them and he forgot all about their sin. He never mentioned it again. He did test their repentance from Uh, chapters 43 and 44 of Genesis. He put them through all these various tests. 
But then when he realised that they were now really sorry for what they've done, and he, he, he found out that Judah was willing to take the place in prison even of Joseph's younger brother Benjamin, he realised that something had changed. Judah's whole attitude had changed. Chapter 38 of Genesis tells the story of Judah. But all the brothers were remorseful of what they'd done to him. They still didn't tell Dad about it. It was too late to do that. They thought he died. They were better let things lie as they were. But Joseph forgave them totally. And in chapter 50, we just read at the beginning, he reassured them when they felt guilty. He reassured them when they thought he was going to uh, take vengeance on them. He provided for them. He gave them a home. Do you want us again today? People are unaware of a God who treats us as his beloved children. In fact, just the same way as the Father treats his son Jesus, the Lord Jesus in his great prayer in John 17 says, I pray, Father, they may know the love for them that you have for me that we would know that God loves us just as much as he loves his son Jesus, who was the sinless, sinless son of God. Never sinned at all. Otherwise, he couldn't have paid for our sins. He'd have to pay for his own, but he didn't because he never sinned. He paid for your sin and for my sin. God wants us to realize that he's forgiven us and loves us just as much as he loves his son Jesus. In fact, you and I, who believe in Jesus Christ, we also are the beloved children of God. What a wonderful God he is. Now let's look at finally what happened because of Joseph's actions. The, the consequences. In the first place, uh, the immediate thing was the family was saved. Now the father Jacob, his remaining wives, Joseph, uh, Joseph's own mother uh, Rachel had died giving birth to Benjamin years before, but Jacob's, uh, Israel rather, his other wives were still alive. They were all saved. There was about 70 people who went down to Egypt. The family was united as God's people. In fact, it became a nation. They were provided for through years of famine and later slavery under under different pharaohs. God, God took them out of Canaan, full of pagan people, and placed them in the land of Goshen, even separate from the Egyptians, because the Egyptians despised shepherds. And so the, the Israelites, under Joseph and later on under other elders, they were able to live in a separate way. And God protected his people through that time. He provided for them through the years of famine and even later under slavery. But something else was changed because of Joseph's actions. You may not be aware of this, but when you read the Bible over and over again, as many people do, you begin to get a picture of the family, starting with Abraham. Abraham was guilty of lying and deceit. On two occasions, he told uh, a pharaoh and uh, another ruler that that Sarah, his wife, his wife, was his sister. That was true enough. She was his half-sister. But he lied to them about her being his wife in order to protect himself. He thought they'd kill him. So, so Abraham had this pattern of lying to people when it suited him. And do you realize his son Isaac did exactly the same, same thing to Abimelech, one of the Canaanite kings. He lied to him exactly the same way. He said that my 
this is Rebecca, my sister. But really, of course, Rebecca was his wife, Isaac's wife. Then Isaac and Rebecca had two children, Esau and Jacob. Jacob, the one we're talking about now, the father of the 12 sons. And Jacob uh, took his brother Esau's birthright and even claimed his blessing by deceit. His mother egged him on, but this was the pattern for his family. Not only that, but Joseph's own brothers deceived their father all those years in uh, telling Dad that uh, an animal must have eaten Joseph. And they caused Joseph, uh, rather Jacob, and whose name became Israel, this great distress. You know, they... They cost Jacob uh, and Joseph, rather, the best years of his life from a young man of 17. Um, and, and Israel, the father, thought all those years, 15 plus years, that my son is dead. And all the time he was alive. So this deception was broken. Never again in the Old Testament do you read that God's people, even though some of them were pretty wicked, uh, had a pattern uh, a family tradition of deception. Do you realise that mercy is a powerful spiritual weapon and forgiveness is the most wonderful thing? Let me read a little bit more, rather the end of this um, lovely speech that, that Portia gave in The Merchant of Venice. He says, Consider this. That in the course of justice, none of us should see salvation. We do pray for mercy. And that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. Now, even such a man as Shakespeare, he understood Christian concepts. And uh, perhaps he, he was uh, using this story in The Merchant of Venice based on the Lord's Prayer. After all, Jesus said to us in that prayer, we should pray, forgive us our trespasses or our sins, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. So we can't ask God for forgiveness, who's forgiven us everything in life we've ever done, wipe the slate clean, as I've said, when we refuse to forgive someone else and treat them the same way as Joseph did, forgetting all about it not making them feel bad, never speaking again about the issue, the thing they did, but showing them love, mercy and compassion. Jesus said, love your enemies, do, do good to them and hate you, bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you and forgive your enemies. Dear ones, there's a terrible problem in the church today. There just isn't enough forgiveness. We need to be people who willingly and courageously forgive and then forget and never mention again the things that people have done to us. For only then will we stand out among the heathen all around us and demonstrate that God is a merciful God because he's taught me to be merciful. He's taught you to show forgiveness. You see, Joseph is a type of the great deliverer to come, Jesus Christ our Redeemer, our Lord, our King. The one who came to forgive everyone who puts their faith in him. 
We are forgiven everything just by having faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the one who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and is coming again. He died for all mankind. He died for me and he died for you. It may be there there are people around you in this terrible pandemic time who are starting to wonder about eternity and mercy and God. And you could be the one person they know, the Christian they know, the one who demonstrates a life of love and, yes, dear ones, a life of forgiveness and mercy. May the Lord bless you as you allow His Spirit to live through you and guide you into a life of love and grace and mercy. Amen.